the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the heart of innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org. In partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Everyone, and welcome to the show. About 10 years ago, I took my very first flight out of the country, and of course, I decide to go as far as I can in my very first trip, and I go clear from California to Sydney and then to Perth, Australia, which is another five hours from Sydney. I did not hydrate properly. I wasn't eating properly. Yeah, there might have been a little alcohol involved because it was a great conference with lots of fantastic colleagues and friends and festivities and all of the above. Well, on my flight back from Perth to Sydney, I ended up blowing up like a state puff marshmallow, like really so much so that a flight attendant said, you don't look right. So immediately upon landing, I was rushed to emergency, discovered universal health care and a public hospital. And we were treated out in the middle of the waiting room, getting your blood taken, getting the IVs. And it was when I was first presented with the possibility that I might have a clot in my vein. And after that, I started wearing compression hose every time I flew. But it really raised my awareness of the importance of veins and helped me to discover how prevalent chronic venous insufficiency is and DVTs. And so, you know, in this episode, I was able to find a really great expert, Dr. Robert Coronado. He is an interventional cardiologist, has a special interest in veins, and he is going to spend the next hour educating us on venous insufficiency and other vein ailments. So should be uh, a show, John, chock full of some incredible stuff, but we, I'm not sure if you're going to come or go. You have your, you're on call today. Yeah. So you may or may not join us for the whole hour. You never, you never know what the cat's going to bring in, but I am on call for, uh, among other things, uh, acute acute coronary syndrome. So if uh, someone comes in with a heart attack, we'll have to we'll have to bounce. But hopefully that won't happen. Um, yeah, it's it's been it's been a good week. I was just thinking about you and I hanging out on Sunday. We yeah, did spent some time with your dad. We had a good time here in Columbus. You got to see the the digs. And, you know, as you were commenting on the intro, it's never a good thing when someone says, you don't look good. Like, that's no, <laughs> but you know, the best part of the whole trip, well, it's kind of the best and the worst was the All Blacks rugby team from New Zealand. 
was on that flight and they ended oh. up the poor guys they had to clear out an entire row and i was like hey why don't you guys can be my only right across the top of you guys no they cleared out an entire row put my feet up put a pillow so i had an entire row to myself for the last two hours of the flight. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> I was happy but mortified at the same time. Yeah, you probably got some special treatment there. Um, I've heard that's a. Yeah. Those are some pretty tough, tough gentlemen. Um, but but speaking of tough, uh, and and, and uh, you know that along those lines, venous disease. When we talk about ulcers and things of that nature, is much more prevalent uh, than the arterial ulcers that we're often often talking about, and. We, I treat a lot of folks with DBT and, and PE and venous insufficiency. And so it, it's a topic that, um, you know, I think sometimes gets overlooked, but uh, it's going to be important to, to have a good discussion. I'm looking forward to, to speaking with uh, with Robert. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a good show. Hopefully I don't get pulled away. And if I do, you got it. You're flying solo. Well, you know, we'll miss you. But, you know, before you... Come or good or whatever. I think we need a moment of inspiration. I think so too. Dr. John Phillips, spectacular vascular moment of inspiration. Never gets old. It doesn't get old. So today is May 13th. And actually, prior to us going live, we had Mark Easter on, who's in South Africa. And a year ago on this day, I was flying to South Africa. But also what happened a year ago, or excuse me, on this day, almost, I think, 40, 1981, Pope John Paul II survived an assassination attempt. And um, he seriously yeah. wounded. Yeah, he survived the operation. He actually went back to visit his his attacker in prison. So as a Catholic, I thought, and you know, last a couple shows ago, we had, a, I think, a fantastic show on spirituality. So I'm like, all right, let me find a good quote from Pope John Paul II. There's, there's tons of them. But here's one I think that rings, uh, you know, true, regardless of your religious affiliation um, and just kind of life in general. But he's quoted as saying, freedom consists not in doing what we like, but in having the right to do what we ought. So I like, I, I like that quote. Um, because it gets you thinking about freedom. It gets you thinking about uh, making choices and it gets you thinking about uh, taking good care of your health. Um, and I'm happy to, happy to be on this show today and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm wondering Dr. Coronado bringing you in, you know, making those healthier and right choices. Does that have an impact? Good way to start on, on veins. Welcome. Welcome. You know, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, John, it's a pleasure. I, I enjoy what both of you guys, thank you. What both of you guys are doing is, is amazing. You know, um, we, um, I'm an interventional cardiologist uh, as well, John. And, and uh, as, as you know, one of the, it's what we do for a living. Of course, we take, as an example, patients that are having a heart attack. We're like the firemen. We put the fire out. Uh, I, I'm also a Catholic. I believe God saves all lives. I don't think I do, but but we're the tools that 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 allow that patient to survive, um, and we do that for many years. In my case, over what thirty years, and and you say, okay, um, so I treated all these patients. Some are alive. Some are some have passed away from either a recurrent heart attack or something else. But it's things like what you guys are doing right now that I believe make a bigger impact to that individual patient. Of course, you save their life, but to increase the awareness, to increase 
you know, the, 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 the awareness, not only of the disease, but of the consequences of ignoring it, uh, losing a leg, uh, losing a life, losing a loved one, uh, losing your health, whatever that may imply, um, to, to make the patient aware of that. And I, I do like and enjoy the direct to consumer advertisement. Um, and, and, and I don't, when you call it advertisement, it, 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 it kind of doesn't sound clean, but it is, it is. I mean, it's, 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 it's an education as is advertisement. So long as you keep it science-based. Um, so long story short, what you guys are doing is amazing. Let the people know, let the patients, let the community, let the world, as far as your reach can go, know that there are consequences to your choices that you can make the right ones and, and, and you can make the wrong ones. So thank you guys for having me here today. Uh, I'm very impressed with what you guys are doing. Uh, I hope this gets, I don't know how much momentum it has. I'm new to this uh, platform, but I bet it's got a good following just looking at both of you. Thank you so much. And coming up right here on the heart of innovation, we're going to talk more about the choices, the right choices that you need to make and the consequences if you don't. So stay with us. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We are just about to get into the meat of our conversation. And normally we're talking about, among other things, arterial disease. Uh, but this time we're talking about veins. And, and Robert, the thing that I always find kind of interesting is when we're describing to a patient, like you need a heart catheterization, they're like, oh, so you're going to kind of put that thing in my vein and, um, you know, blocked artery. A lot of folks, it means veins, but obviously, you know, two different highways. We probably should do a better job educating folks on just the difference between the two. But, but tell us a little bit about how you explain to a patient who may have uh, some venous and some, some varicose veins or maybe have had a blood clot. Uh, like what is, what is your approach to, to, to this special patient population, knowing that these folks have, are, you know, folks with, with venous insufficiency and varicose veins much, much more prevalent than, than those with, with peripheral arterial disease. Well, that's, that's a good question. You know what, what I tell people in the very basic of forms, including our patients and anybody who's interested in it, is that we're cardiovascular specialists. And what that means is that we're not just heart specialists, but we're heart, 
and vascular. And, and the vascular is divided into two, two components. Um, and and the, the heart sits in the middle of the chest. And most physicians think that the heart pumps to the entire body. And they're right up until that point. But they also think erroneously, in other words, by mistake, that that heart pumps blood from the body back to the heart. That the, they, they believe erroneously that the heart pumps the blood all the way around the body. But the reality is, is that it pumps it to the capillaries, which are the little micro vessels where life actually occurs. That's where oxygen is delivered. Um, that's where nutrients are delivered. And everything that the body needs is delivered through the capillaries. And everything the body doesn't need that needs to be eliminated either through the kidneys or processed by the liver and whatnot um, is picked up by the capillaries. Once that, let's call it dirty blood for now that needs to be reprocessed, once that dirty blood that has low oxygen, high CO2, carbon dioxide, high lactate, and high things we don't need, when that blood comes back, at that point, it's a vein. So anything bringing blood back to the heart is a vein. Um, the way that, that veins work is not the heart pump pumping or propelling blood through them they work because every time there's only two ways that the blood returns to the heart one is muscle contraction that means every time we walk move twitch our fingers our toes any part that we move is involved in compressing because muscle contraction increases the size of that muscle right you flex your muscles mine aren't very big but if they were then if i were on a schwarzenegger they get that big and 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 huge and they compress the veins inside. Inside that vein are little one-way valves. So every time you push a vein, those one-way valves are directed back to the heart. So every time you push a vein, the blood basically goes through those one-way valves, doesn't come back because those valves don't allow it to come back. The other mechanism, so one is muscle contraction. The other mechanism is deep breathing. In other words, or, or breathing, inspiration, when we take a deep breath, that negative intrathoracic pressure, meaning suction effect of taking a breath, not only brings air into the lungs, but it also brings blood back into the lungs. It brings it back to the heart, I should say, but and, it, and into the lungs as well. So, so in, in not so many words, arteries take blood to the body, good blood, and veins bring blood that needs to be reprocessed back to the heart. Um, what, what we've realized as a cardiovascular specialist is that most of us focus on the heart, heart attack, heart failure, valve disease. And then when we look at an artery, we, most of us focus on um, block, you know, narrowing of the arteries, because of course, if an, arrow, if an artery is narrowed, whatever tissue it's supplying is going to suffer. If it's going to the carotid of the brain, you're going to be dealing with a stroke. If it's going to an artery in the leg, you're going to be dealing with claudication and and if it if it's allowed to continue causing damage of course you could lose the leg the veins on the other hand um traditionally and this is why i love a platform where you can talk about it traditionally veins are and and let's face it they're used to draw blood they're used to make sure they don't have a clot meaning a dvt um they're used uh, as far as how we look at anything that goes wrong with them uh, we look at blood clots we look at uh, um, uh, uh, varicose veins, and we look at at uh, basically something where you draw blood out of. But it's such a it, when you look at that, you say, "Is that it?" And you're like, "Yeah." When you deal with a vein, you're looking for a blood clot, and that, that's it. 
that's a very narrow way of looking at it when in reality, venous disease, when they go wrong, is the most common vascular disorder. In fact, it's the most common disorder, period. It's more common than diabetes, hypertension, heart attack, PAD, stroke. And you can pretty much bunch them all together with the exception of diabetes. And venous disease is still more prevalent. So it's the most common vascular disorder. It's the most ignored vascular disorder with less than 10%. It's about 7% actually seek treatment. But what's even just as tragic for us as physicians, it's the most misdiagnosed vascular disorder. Um, so, so when you look at how important is it, if it's the most prevalent, the, the most ignored, and the most misdiagnosed vascular disorder, then there's a lot of work that we can do to change that. And, and thank you for having me on the show because I don't know exactly the, the, you know, the, 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 the span of your audience, but I don't care if it's 500, 10,000, a million, this needs to happen. So you guys are doing a great thing. Thanks for having me on. Why do you think that with, with venous insufficiency and other venous disorders that, I, I mean, this is almost a rhetorical question because we, we deal with this also with peripheral artery disease, which is the circulation issue involving the arteries and plaque buildup there mainly in the, in the legs, where a lot of it gets, the textbook symptoms get brushed off. Why is it with veins that we find that symptoms and diagnosis just are, in a sense, kind of brushed under the rug? That, that's that's an amazing uh, is a great question uh um kim and the short of it is is that most of the things so so people when they look at them the big big misconception is that they're only cosmetic in nature in reality they're they're far from just that if you have spider veins which is the initial stages of varicose veins i agree those by and large are just cosmetic but once you start seeing the ropes i'll go over a few of the symptoms and, and, and then, and then I'll answer your question with the symptoms. So the symptoms are, are of, of venous insufficiency are heavy, tired legs. They are, uh, painful, achy legs. They are nocturnal leg cramps that, that, that are crippling in many cases. Um, restless leg syndrome, um, dark discoloration in the legs. And in the, in the end stage, venous leg ulcers. Um, as as uh, uh, John was saying just a few seconds ago, Dr. Phillips was, was mentioning, if you have a wound in your leg, um, and, and we spend like 18 to $20 billion a year curing wounds in the legs, it's likely venous insufficiency in 70% of cases. So, so, but I haven't answered your question as to why people don't know about it. Because if, if I go over the symptoms again of restless legs oh you have restless legs here take ropenerol which is real quick oh you have itching in your in your legs or discoloration here's a steroid cream so not only did you did you not understand it but you misdiagnosed it and you mistreated it oh you have uh cramps try some pickle juice try some this try some theraworks try in reality it's the venous insufficiency oh you have uh, a cellulitis here's some antibiotics no it's not a cellulitis it's a phlebitis and and, oh, you have a superficial thrombus. So all these are misdiagnoses. So we think that the cramps, that the restless legs, that the heaviness, the doctor sees the patient and says, oh, I, I, don't, I don't have time to deal with this here. Just take this. You're just getting old. 
Um, just stay hydrated. Um, you know, some of them say wear compression stockings, which is the right thing to do on that. But most of the time we attribute these, not only the doctor, not only the provider, but also the patient attributes heavy, tired, restless legs that may itch, that may ache. They attribute it to their age and they suffer every single day of their life. And if allowed to progress, they can even lose their leg and or their life. Um, so, so hopefully that is a answers. It's a long way to answer your question, but hopefully it answers it. We attribute the symptoms of venous insufficiency to trivial things like aging, aching because you don't exercise, you don't stretch, you don't, you don't stay hydrated. And even though all that may be the case that they don't do that, it's not the reason for their symptoms. So when we take a patient that has these symptoms and they come by and we fix that problem, they, they are the most ha- they're the happiest patients in the world because all their symptoms go away. And coming up right after the break, we're going to discuss how we diagnose this, what tests we use, and then potentially how we treat what is very common and venous insufficiency. So stay with us. Medical Notepad brought to you by Cardiovascular Systems Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation, and The Weight of My Heart. My name is Anaita Dua. I'm a vascular surgeon at Mass General and director of our Limb Evaluation Amputation Prevention Program. Different types of bypasses that are out there include using a uh, PTFE or a prosthetic graft or a vein, which is your uh, body's own material, to bypass around an area that's blocked. And so the different types of bypasses that exist come whether or not you're bypassing around an area that is up in the uh, part of the leg that's above the patella versus below. And the patella is basically your knee. So to break it down very simply, when you're dealing with the area from the groin to the knee, you can do a bypass from the femoral artery, which is basically at the groin area to about the area that's just above the knee in an area called Hunter's Canal to some place called the superficial femoral artery. Now that bypass, as I mentioned earlier, can be done with prosthetic or it can be done with vein, which is um, part of your own body. So if we're doing it with prosthetic, then we use a uh, doctor plastic, so to speak, and we tunnel it um, along your uh, vein, uh, excuse me, along your artery in your leg, and that's called an anatomical bypass, or we tunnel it around just in the, the fat that's in your leg, and that's a, a non-anatomical bypass, and we connect it to the area that's above your knee. Now, um, if we're using vein, we can take vein from either the same leg that we're operating on or the opposite leg. Sometimes you can even take vein from the arms and splice it together, and then the tunneling is very similar to uh, what we do when we use prosthetic. Now, if you're looking below the knee to a below-knee bypass, in that case what you're doing is something very similar as in you're coming off again from the femoral artery but you're bypassing to one of the three blood vessels that's below the knee so that can be the anterior tibial the posterior tibial or the perineal occasionally you can even go all the way down to the foot to some of the uh, arteries that are in the foot that make up the plantar loop which is like a roundabout basically that's in your foot Um, the further down in the leg you go 
the smaller the arteries are, the more likely that the bypass will ultimately clot off. And the reason for that is because the arteries that are further down in the leg, because they're smaller, are going to have sort of a bottleneck of blood as it makes it all the way down to the leg. So that has to do with the technical aspects of the way in which we do the surgery, what conduit we pick, which is again the prosthetic bypass versus using the vein. And usually below the knee, you always want to use vein. But if you sometimes have to, you can use uh, plastic. And the reason for that, for that, again, is because you can get thrombosis or clotting of that bypass as it moves down. The most important thing about it is that it's not something that should be feared. Um, a lot of times when people get bypasses, there's this worry, oh my goodness, you're going to fillet my leg open and what are you connecting to? And you know whether or not this is going to clot off, am I going to get an infection? How can you take vein out of, a, out of my leg? Am I not going to have problems if you take the vein away? And the answer to all of this is that, indeed, if you take vein, you can easily sacrifice that and nothing happens other than maybe a little bit of swelling, which we can manage from your doctor's side. The infection rate is a concern, but we do everything that we can in order to reduce that. One of the big things that we can do is use vein instead of prosthetic to reduce the infection rate. And then you have other issues like the actual surgical aspect of it, where you appear to have very large cuts on your leg. But the fact of the matter is that usually the cut that's the longest is where we're taking vein out of your leg and that's very very superficial it's maybe a centimeter in depth so it's not like we're going deep into your leg along that entire cut um, the most important thing you can do is speak to your doctor about it get a good sense about the area that's being bypassed to and the conduit choice that they're using are they using prosthetic or vein and then some of the uh, expectations that you should have as a patient post-operatively in terms of pain swelling and when you're going to get back on your feet um, just remember that if you're getting a bypass it means that we're doing a everything that we can to save your leg. And so the end justifies the means, so to speak. So I am Anaita Dua with this week's Medical Notepad. Remember, the advice and views offered during this series are for informational and educational purposes only. Always ask your own healthcare provider for explicit consent before acting on any information provided here. If you want more information on peripheral artery disease, go to standagainstamputation.com. And for real-time support... Go to thewaytomyheart.org. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. And actually, Kim, as I, whenever I hear that, I, I see, you know, I hear Emmy Award-winning I think to myself, gosh, what's it going to take for me to get an Emmy? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Today, we're talking about a very chronic... I think very soon. 2024, it's it's going to be on your mantle. Be kissing that thing. Anyway, so we are really happy to be joined with Robert, one of uh, an interventional cardiologist like myself out in California, specializes in, uh, among other things, venous insufficiency, about... to correct me if I'm wrong, but often maybe half of all Americans have some. So you're talking, you know, hundreds of millions of people that have some venous insufficiency. Not everybody needs treatment, but so you're. Let's say you're seeing somebody in the office for suspected venous insufficiency, uh, and talk, walk us through what you're looking for on, on exam, as opposed to say someone with an arterial blockage. What kind of testing you're going to order, and then what are some of the treatment options? So, uh, excellent question. So, if you're a patient that has venous insufficiency, um, you're going to have some risk factors most of the time, and it's usually um, standing. Um, 
uh, symptoms are, are occur with standing, and those symptoms are going to be uh, pain in your legs, aching in your legs with standing. There's going to be swelling, may or may not be nocturnal leg cramps, may or may not be restless legs. So when a patient comes with symptoms of venous insufficiency, what we're going to see are varicose veins or discoloration of the legs or simply just swelling. What we do at that point in time is we um, take the patient for a diagnostic study. That diagnostic study will consist of an ultrasound. An ultrasound will tell us everything that we need to know to diagnose the extent and severity of venous insufficiency. What we're looking for is that all the veins are inside the muscle and in, in, in every patient. The normal, the normal anatomy of the leg is that all the veins are inside the muscle and those veins take blood back to the heart. When the veins start leaking outside of that muscle into the fat layer, which is just under the skin, that is the beginning of venous insufficiency. Over time, we see varicose veins. Those varicose veins are basically um, the abnormality. So that's how we diagnose it. Patient comes in with symptoms, we get an ultrasound. There really is no other study than that. And an ultrasound, of course, requires no radiation or provides, it doesn't, you're not exposed to radiation. It's benign. It's the, the gentleman that invented the ultrasound, I heard, gets one of his eyeball every day just to prove how safe it is. So um, that's, that's in a nutshell how you diagnose it. Now, there are some doctors that will, or technicians that will perform the ultrasound sitting down or lying down, and other ones uh, do it half sitting or half standing. Do you suggest that all patients have a venous ultrasound that includes a standing aspect of it? So, absolutely. Yeah, so so I mentioned when you have the muscle fascia in your leg, which is the core, that's where the bone, the arteries, the nerves, and the veins are. That's where they should all belong. When you get reflux, the blood goes outside that fascia into the fat layer. And that reflux is more noticeable with standing. So your question's a great question. When you do an ultrasound, you want to make sure that they're standing so you can pick up that leak, that reflux. I want to just say one thing in just a few seconds. A lot of patients come in with bad varicose veins, bad symptoms, and bad problems that you can see that they have venous insufficiency. And I tell them I'm going to get an ultrasound, and they say, oh, don't. I already had it. It's negative. And you're seeing the problem. You're like, no, it's not negative. They're referring to that most ultrasounds only rule out clots. So the study that we need to get is the one you're talking about where they're standing, that you're referring to, standing, and it's called a reflux study, which, again, looks for that leak. And it's like putting an inner tube underwater and seeing the bubbles come out. That's what it, this is like. You look at the leg and you see the bubbles come out. If the bubbles are coming out, it's a red color on the ultrasound. And if you see red, you're seeing reflux, which is a leak. That leak is what is the trunk to the tree that creates the branches, which are the varicose veins, which in turn create the pain, the aching, the, the, the cramps at night, the restless legs, the discoloration, also called stasis dermatitis, and then an ulcer. And then once you get the ulcer, that's the really, it, it, the whole thing is sad, especially when it's ignored. But once you get the ultrasound, I mean, the, excuse me, once you get the ulcer, then you're dealing with something that is usually chronic, very, very painful, and can be there for months to years to decades. 
and ignored. So it's important that if you have the symptoms, get an ultrasound and diagnose it or rule it out. What causes these leaks? So there are risk factors, and I, I briefly started going into them, and I apologize to not complete that, but there's risk factors. So the strongest one is genetics. If your mom and dad both have it, you're looking at a 70% plus chance of you getting them, even if you take care of yourself. So genetics is very strong, something like 30, 40% if one parent has it. Um, and we'll talk about how to take care of yourself. But so the risk factors are genetics is the strongest one. Standing occupation, a very uh, a big one. So occupation is big. And then obesity, pregnancy, weightlifting. Thank you so much. Coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, we're going to continue this conversation about veins and and get to some of the treatment options as well as we have some questions coming in. So we'll get to those next. So stay with us. Three years ago, my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD peripheral artery disease if you've been experiencing leg pain leg cramps or neuropathy when walking and your doctor isn't hearing you we are we are the way to my heart the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients and we want to help you get back on your feet again visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our leg saver hotline 415-320-7138 your life and limb could depend on it welcome back to the heart of innovation for more on today's topic go to theheartofinnovation.org that's theheartofinnovation.org once again here's emmy award-winning journalist kim mcnicholas and interventional cardiologist dr john phillips hi everyone welcome back to the show the lines are lighting up so i want to get to our caller douglas what's your question for dr robert carnado Interventional cardiologist from California. Go ahead. So as a PAD patient, if we don't know we have this, should we ask our doctors to check it? Or is it something that shows up and then we need to check? Or is it something that we need to check on a regular basis? Are you referring to when you say check, you're talking about Uh, venous disease? Yes. Yes. So if venous disease is very interesting, it's very common as we discussed, and it, if it doesn't produce any symptoms, uh, in other words, if you don't have varicose veins, discoloration, aching or heaviness in your legs, cramps or those kind of things, and your examination is normal, you don't need to, to, to get checked for that. But if you do have those symptoms, yes, it's something you, you ask your doctor, could I have venous insufficiency because I have a lot of cramps at night? or I have a lot of restless legs or discoloration in my legs are dark, or I have a wound, 
Um, and so, so yes, if you have the symptoms, you should request to be checked for. And especially if you have your arteries cleaned out in, in your legs uh, and you end up after the procedure with quite a bit, bit of swelling, that's something you should definitely uh, ask your doctor about, correct? That's correct. You know, and especially if you have a bypass graft, sometimes a bypass graft, uh, because it's, it's made of Gore-Tex and it's pretty tough and it's arterial blood, which means the pressure is higher than in the vein. It can compress a vein in the thigh called the GSV, greater saphenous vein. And as a result of that, and it's not that they do anything wrong, it just happens, you can get varicose veins in that leg. And then what we need to do at that point in time is obviously fix the GSV, which is the vein that is now compromised. And it's pretty straightforward and easy. So if after a bypass surgery or even extensive stenting of, of your leg, you, you now have varicose veins and symptoms, well, you don't need and symptoms, and or symptoms, um, see your doctor and ask him about venous insufficiency. Thank you. Heinz, go ahead for your, uh, with your question for Dr. Robert Coronado. Hello, Doc. Um, I just recently had a venogram from uh, my doctor up in Denver and uh, before that pad, and that was treated also by the doctors up there in Denver. But uh, we thought maybe my veins were compressed. It's obvious I had uh, varicose veins and bulging and discoloration and all that. But uh, he didn't find any severe problems because I thought I was going to get stemmed. So what he did was he, he said, okay, well, next thing is an ablation. Are there other things besides ablation that can be done for varicose veins? It seems like you have a really good doctor because um, so, so when you have varicose veins and, and problems in your legs, what you want to make sure when you suspect, so let me backtrack a little bit. So when you have varicose veins, like what your problem is, it's, it's the blood not getting back to the heart the way it should. So you want to rule out two things. Number one is that you don't have compression of the iliac veins, which are around your belly button. That would be something called Mayferner syndrome. Um, and it's easily fixed by stenting them. It's a, just a few minute procedure and competent hands. But if you don't have it, then you're left with venous reflux. And that is ablation. If the substrate is there for ablation, and you should do very well. Because if there's one thing that pe- people notice a difference, like night and day, most of them, when they have varicose veins and pain and symptoms, is the results of an ablation. So I think you're on the right track. And if I may interject, and I'd like to, Robert, I'd like to hear your opinion on this. A lot of people have some degrees of reflux. Um, Most insurance companies, when reflux is documented, want us to proceed with conservative measures, which include compression and elevation exercise and weight loss. Uh, and, And the ablative technologies work really well. Uh, some of the foam technologies work well. The glue, I think, works well. Sometimes you have to strip the veins also. But not, in my opinion, not everybody needs a procedure. And there are some folks from a cosmetic standpoint, which is kind of a different, uh, I think, um, animal. But those that have medically necessary venous insufficiency and have symptoms probably warrant further evaluation. But other folks who may have just a varicose vein that's sitting there don't necessarily need something done. Do you, do you feel that way or what are your thoughts? 
I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, uh, the guidelines are very clear and, and there are exceptions to guidelines, but by and large, we should be adhering to the guidelines as much as possible. And to answer your question, if you have a varicose vein or two or three or four, uh, if you have a, 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 you know, some, some discoloration and you don't like the way it looks, but you have no cramps, no restless legs, um, no, no pain, no suffering from it other than the way it looks. You come to my office, I diagnose venous insufficiency. Um, I'm going to be very honest with you. I probably won't touch it. Well, I definitely won't touch it if it's not bothering you. And by bothering you, um, you're absolutely right, uh, John. You, you want the patient to have a certain period of compression stockings if they fail and they still have symptoms and pain that are affecting their activities of daily living, um, meaning they can't do their chores, they can't go shopping without having to elevate their leg and, and so forth. Um, so there are requirements that, that the patient has to fulfill before we go into treatment. And if, in a nutshell, no symptoms, no discomfort, no treatment from the ablation, from the intervention standpoint. Correct. Thank you so much, Dr. Coronado. Coming up next on the Heart of Innovation, we have a couple more callers we want to get to, so stay with us. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. We only have a few minutes left. We've had an excellent conversation regarding varicose veins, venous insufficiency. So, Robert... Give us a couple, maybe two, three take-home points for a patient who now everyone's looking at their legs, they're seeing if they have varicose veins. What are we supposed to do now? So when you look at your legs, uh, you should not have any swelling. You should not have any varicose veins. These are like ropes, uh, veins that are popping out in your legs. You shouldn't be suffering from leg cramps every night or restless legs. And you shouldn't be having discoloration or ulcers. If you have any of that, that is likely so if you have any of that then get evaluated because it's simple it's an ultrasound and your doctor can treat it so do you, would you recommend- I want to get to oh sorry real quick. Caller I want to get to really quick when you're when you're done real, yeah just real quick go to your primary care doctor first I would go to the primary care doctor to re- so that he or she can refer you to the specialist that, that deals with vein disease. Very good. Fantastic. Kelly, you have a question for Dr. Coronado. We only have a few seconds left. Okay, I'll try to make it really fast. I had um, I had my iliac veins both stented, and I never had swelling in my right. I never had swelling around my ankle as badly as I do now. Um, is there something that getting the veins stinted that could all of a sudden cause um, regular swelling? It's fine in the morning, but as soon as I, once I get up and start moving, the ankle just starts swelling. And I didn't know if that was the cause for that. Well, the only thing that I can think of is if it's swelling in the, you know, that 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 starts uh, in the morning and, and gets worse throughout the day, you're likely talking about venous disease. Um, it could be deep venous insufficiency. Um, so after the stenting, I would get that evaluated to make sure that that there's that there's not any deep venous insufficiency. And of course, uh, if you have uh, superficial venous insufficiency, both of those can be addressed. The deep venous insufficiency is going to be 
compression. And if you have superficial venous insufficiency, then that's an ablation. So it's not uncommon that we do the stenting. And then if there's still residual reflux, we fix that as well. Okay. And the only other question that I have is that I keep hearing as far as ablations go, some people are glad they did it and some people wish they never had to have done it. Is there a reason why some do great with it and some don't? Dr. Uh, Phillips, yeah, if, if you have severe venous insufficiency, over 90% of patients are going to feel better. If you get the procedure done when it's really not that necessary, you're going you're gonna to not be happy you got it done. Yeah, and let, let sure me just, I'll, I'll dovetail on that real quickly. Like we talk about here with folks with ulcers and peripheral arterial disease, make sure you know exactly how qualified your physician is, what their um, – what their, you know, what their track record is, because I'll be honest, a lot of folks get ablations when they don't necessarily need them. And then you have these, this expectation that you can't meet. I could not agree with you more. If you're fixing something that isn't broken, you're only going to regret it. Thank you. That's, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you so much, Dr. Robert Coronado. We really appreciate you being here to all of the folks who called in today. We, some really great questions. We really appreciate you. If people want to learn more about chronic venous insufficiency, what's a great site? What's a great resource that you trust? You know, it, there, there's a lot of uh, medical institutions. The Mayo Clinic has great stuff for, for, for the lay public that makes it easy to understand with diagrams. Um, and there are a number of places that, that aren't advertisement sites, but they're actually academic institutions that, that have, you can just Google it is the best way, in my opinion. There is no specific go to this site to get it done. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dr. Robert Coronado. We really appreciate you. I know, Dr. Phillips, you're on call and you're getting ready to go into a limb-saving procedure right now. So yep, I'll keep you posted. So I'll keep you posted. You. Yes. I've got to run. Fantastic. Great Good luck, Bye, everyone. Thanks. Thank have you. a great weekend and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Yes, happy, happy Mother's Day. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.